What's up, everybody? Rick Fan here, and welcome to the Fan of Life channel, Fan of Life show. Today's episode is real personal to me because I have a chance to sit down and talk to my master instructor in the martial arts, Master Tony Thompson. In the conversation, you'll hear me refer to him as Kwan Janim, which in the Taekwondo dialect or vernacular means master instructor. Um, I'm 45 years old, and no matter how old I get, no matter where or, or position I get in life, he will always be my father figure and never my peer. So in talking to him, you will hear me reference Kwan Janim. I will never call him by his name. So I uh, just wanted to clear that up because in the conversation, you'll hear that. I want you guys to go, what the heck is he saying? Uh, but this one's personal to me. I'm excited about it because I get a chance to really take the time to thank him for all the impact he's had in my life. And we go, we talk about his life story coming from uh, Oakland, California um, in the time of segregation and his struggles with school integration and where he was to where he is now from a young, angry man to being literally someone that has impacted tens if not hundreds of thousands of people throughout his 50 plus years in the martial arts and uh, has together with his partner and his brother in arms master ernie reyes built a corporation and martial arts empire that span across the country over 40 something schools and again have impacted hundreds of thousands of people and even penetrated into Hollywood and cinema so uh, it's really cool so um, you know the conversation goes all over the place as it always does and I've learned a couple of things about Kwan Janim Tony uh, during the course of this conversation but one thing that really resonated with me is his vision or his ability to have a vision and his adaptability as time progresses and change. And to all the entrepreneurs out there, take note because I think those are key factors in ensuring your success in whatever endeavor you guys decide to go into. So again, sorry for the long intro. This one uh, meant a lot to me. So uh, if you would indulge me, listen all the way through. And without further ado, my master instructor, Kwan Janim Tony Thompson. Kwan Janim Tony, welcome, sir. Why, thank you very much. It's been some time. It has been some time. It has been some time. And I want to congratulate you on your retirement officially. Yes. And I know you've been, yeah. Well, I, I know it's that saying, right? You love what you do. You don't work a day in your life. And I think that's probably why you prolong it. That's true. Well, we will uh, get around to your career and your influence and all that stuff in a little bit later. And I think we'll bring it full circle, but um, I'm super excited because this is a personal one for me, obviously. But um, let's just start a little bit from the beginning, Kwan Janim. So how'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up? And uh, you know, tell me a little bit about that. Okay. Well, you ready for a shock anyway? I'm ready. Hey, I, I grew up in Oak Town. Everybody knows it is open. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, I was one of these people that were studious, but I was very angry. Mm. But let me explain why I was so angry. Uh, I went into the principal's office and my mom was there. So they told me they wanted me to go to a school. I'm like, okay, big deal. I knew my brothers and sisters that went to different schools, so it was no problem. What they did not tell me is that I was integrating schools, high school. Oh. They didn't tell me that. I'm just, you know, 
I just thought, well, I'm going to high school now, big deal. But the very first day I got up there, it was police in front of the school. They people, there's crowds of people, they got signs up there, nigga go home. Why is it we letting a gorilla inside our schools? The whole thing. Mm. In other words, we had to have police escorts to get in. And it stayed like that for a week. So you can imagine how I felt. First of all, I was already angry. But then when that was thrown on top of it, so you go to high school, they don't want you there. And then you go back home to your neighborhood that's 98% black. And they say, hey, you think you're too good for me? So wow. I, was very, I was very angry for a while. Until one morning, I was thinking about joining the Black Panthers. I'm up in Oakland, you know, that's what we were. And I found myself in the park at a Royal Park. You can look it up. A Royal Park with a gun in my hand. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, this is not right. This is <laughs> definitely right. And what age were you at this time? I was maybe about 14. Wow. Maybe 15, something in that age group. Wow. But you know, I was always into sports and stuff, so I kind of turned that way. But anyway, I finally, my mom moved us out of Oakland to this place called Melpitas. Mm -hmm. And that's where I really started my martial arts. But by the time I got there, I was angry. You know, but hey, that was me. But I had to figure out a way to turn my life around. Well, so, well let, let's touch on that then. Be, being a young, angry man, right? So you were put in a situation where it was almost like a no win. You you were kind of like a, um, you know, an island of yourself. You didn't have a home in the school. At least you didn't feel welcome. And then when you went back to your neighborhood, you weren't welcome. So when your mom relocated you, did you feel like that was a fresh start? Is that one of the reasons that kind of helped you down that path? Uh, no, because I lived in Oakland, it's all cement, and she moved out to Mel Peterson. By then, it was farmland. Oh, uh, one extreme to the other extreme. Okay, you know, but I knew I had to get out of Oakland, period. Right, you know, so hey, I went out there, graduated from high school. But see, when it was time for college, mm -hmm. I didn't know nothing about college because I was in that situation at school. Nobody talked to me about college. I didn't know nothing about it until I had a girlfriend. She said, why aren't you going to college? I'm like, what's college? <laughs> See, they didn't pass that information on. Right. You know? you know, so I had to learn the hard way. Anyway, I went over to City College, uh, started there, and then transferred later on over to San Jose State. Isn't that amazing, the power of a woman? She can introduce you to college. Next thing you know, you're a college student. <laughs> I'm telling you, hey, when you're that young, you don't think straight. It's like, hey, I got to get over there where my girlfriend's at. Oh, but that's it, too funny. But it worked out. Yeah, it did. So talk, talk to me about your college life, because uh, obviously I know a lot of your history, so I know kind of where this is leading. So um, talk to me a little bit about your college life and eventually how you, you met Quan Jim early, who, who I'll explain who he is in a little bit, but go ahead, sir. Okay. Um, no, um, I finally grad went over to San Jose State, and since I didn't know all the ends about going to college and getting funds and all that stuff, it was very hard. It took mm -hmm. me more than four years. It took me actually almost six years to graduate from college. And you're right. That's where I met my partner, Ernie Reyes. So 
how did you get involved in martial arts? Because you were you were athlete, you wanted to do sports. So how did that come about? Oh no no no, that had nothing to do with it. So I was looking for a job. Okay. So the recreation department in Mel Peters uh, needed somebody to open up this building for some karate people to go in there and practice. So since they was in there practicing, a bunch of little kids, and you can imagine me, I'm six two, mm. two hundred pounds, and those all kids. But I figured, you know what? I might as well, if I'm here and I'm getting paid for it, I might as well take karate. So I would open this back building at Russell Junior High School. I would let them do karate, and I started doing it. And that's when I first started competing. Mm. And I remember my first match that I ever had. I was so scared. Yeah. <laughs> but I got in there anyway, and this guy kicked me, a sidekick. I flew out the ring, through some double doors to outside. And I got, <laughs> I got so pissed, so mad. Mm -hmm. No, I'm better than that. After that match, I never lost again for a long time. I've seen your videos, I remember. And, <laughs> and to the audience, just a sidebar, to the audience, back in the day, we used to have a tradition, every graduating class, every black belt graduating class, the following first black belt class would be a heart sparring session. It was almost initiation. And yes, this gentleman here, yeah, this gentleman here, he would come in, pretend that he's slow, putting on his gear like he had bad knees and a bad back, and will whoop the crap out of us. And it was probably still to this day, one of my favorite memories. So I thank, <laughs> I thank you for those hard lessons. Hey, but I, I did it with love. I did it with love. Of course, of course. Uh, uh, it was a group of us like you and Rory and Captain and stuff. Uh -huh. It was for us, it was our family. Absolutely. What, right. But anyway, let me get back to where I met Ernie. So. I took this Taekwondo class over at the college and Ernie was in the class and he finally invited me over to his dojo under Grandmaster Che. Mm -hmm. So I started training over there, right? And next thing you know, we was together and myself and uh, Master Reyes and we would go to all these tournaments. I mean, literally we would fly from one place to another we'll put eight or 10 people in one room just so we can go to tournaments. And that's basically where it all started with the, uh, with the West Coast demo team. So obviously, if, if I were to able to go back in time and said, this is the result of your lifelong journey, there's no way back in that time, whatever year that was in the early 80s, right? I'm assuming, uh, or, or late 70s, you wouldn't have believed it, right? I mean, you've had a pretty stellar career. So how did how did it come to be that you guys formed this organization? Like, did you have that in mind or was it just an evolution as time went on? Uh, it was an evolution. My instructor, Grandmaster Che, didn't want to teach karate anymore. And me and Ernie was just kind of left there. So he gave one school to Ernie and I would go over there and train, right? Mm. And then we said, you know what? Since Ernie had his school, I'm gonna get me a school. Next thing you know, we both, had karate schools, right? Right. He was running them. And then once he left, we realized we had to take it to the next level. But let me explain. It just that we wasn't in for for the money. First right. of all, you have to understand that. Right. So what we did is we took Ernie degree at San Jose State is in business. My degree is in psychology. Over the years, we switched where I do the business and he handled the philosophy. 
but I, I knew enough about business to know. So I went and studied different systems. I studied like the, um, what they call a Bible, their procedure book for mm-hmm. McDonald's, Taco Bell and Blue Jeray. I studied for like a year how they treated their employees, how they advertised, how they gave certain breaks. So we studied and we put together a mind map of how we was going to do this. And then our first corporation was in 1977. Wow. So we had these corporations going, so but we was just into having fun, you know, right. traveling over them. But then I guess people started picking up on that and it's like, hey, these guys are for real, right? And that's when we was Ernie was always a form champion. I was always a fighting champion, but I was just having fun. But then it came time to where well, Ernie Jr. was out doing his movies and stuff, mm-hmm. and I was kind of running the business part. But then it came to a point that. We had to elevate the business point. So next thing, I, that's where we brought Ed Fong in and a couple other people. And we started, what was that? Sam Montgomery and those four people started West Coast. Right. Eventually what happened was Sam and Ed Fong went their way, me and Ernie, who was the competitors, went the other way. Mm-hmm. But then that's when we started our corporation. So it worked. Next thing I know, we got four schools. Yeah. Seven schools. Then we got 10 schools. Then we're in different states. I mean, right. really, right now we have schools from the West Coast all the way to the East Coast. We have them in New Jersey, Oklahoma, uh, all over California, but we've devised a plan. Yeah. Now, remember, I told you, Ernie Jr. was in the movie. So every time he did a movie, I took advantage of that with advertising plans to make mm-hmm. West Coast. So he did the movie, but we got a million dollars of advertising out of it. So yeah. it was great. You know, so it's just how we planned it. Next thing you know, we having a black belt test with 20 people. Then we have a black belt test with 40 people, then a hundred. I mean, our biggest test today, we had over 600 people testing at one of our mastery tests. Wow. And those are just black belts at different degrees. Right. You know, but really, it, it was to me, it was how can we change people's lives through martial arts? Mm-hmm. Yes, the money grew, and yes, I'm happy, and yes, I got a ranch and all that stuff. But my whole thing was how can we improve people's lives? So, with the organization, I think the backbone does it is that we was not qualified as a martial arts group, we was qualified as an educational facility. Remember mm. all the life lessons that you guys had to learn? Yes, sir. Black that qualified us as an education facility, which means our insurance is lower. We got A, B, C, D. We can participate in schools. So just by making that one move made the whole organization grow. Next thing you know, we're 47 schools. And we're still having fun at it because we had a group of people that's really like family. Mm-hmm. Not only do we travel all over the country, we've traveled all over the world as a group. And you know, it's been decades now. So we've been doing this for, I think me and Ernie's been training together for 50 years, wow. but the organization is like 45 years. Wow. How, how did you get that instinct to go, 
hey, I'm going to go research corporations and see how they run their business, how they treat their employees, because most martial arts schools open, they don't think that way. How do, is that just Not, instinctive? I, I think it was more instinctive. I wanted to do something, put something together that I know would hold on for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. And I knew it. And, you know, I talked to lawyers. You know, I talked to a lot of lawyers, and they explained to me how to do it. Like, for example, if you're a franchise, say the franchisee has to have just as much control as the franchise do, but they also carry their debt. But mm -hmm. with us, since we're licensed and not franchised, uh, we can control the curriculum, we can control the advertisement, we can control the material. And at the end of the time, we still get our 10% without carrying their debt. But at the same time, they get to make more money, licensings, and we don't have to pay that big franchise. So it was about businesses just doing research necessary to build a corporation. That's and that's that's where my focus was at. That is so ahead of the time. That is so ahead of the time. That's amazing. I never heard that story before. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. And I mean, there's a lot of things that goes into that. Sure. Uh, let, let me explain the spider theory. Okay. All right. So here's the spider theory. You have one corporation with two schools. Mm -hmm. You have another corporation with two schools. You have another corporation, say, sidekicks or merchandise. Now, if it, anybody ever sued us, they can take one leg out, but the other two legs are still there. Mm. So therefore, it's called the spider effect, but nobody can come in and take the whole corporation. They might get a leg or two, right. but that's not it. And by us setting up all these schools all over the country, they get to make money. They get to progress, right? And wow. then at, at the same time, we get to make a low cut. So it just builds. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Because because obviously right now, a lot of people that are going to be watching this, my audience, they're not going to you know open a cry school, most likely not. But that business structure and that concept of protecting your entity and protecting your business, that's huge. And like yes. I said, I'm amazed you guys are such ahead of your time. I think we're forward thinking. Yeah. I mean, Ernie, as far as martial arts, I have to give it to great grandmaster because he came up with the musical forms and all the performances. Mm -hmm. He kept a demo team together and we traveled ABC. And I like being in the background where I'm handling the business, setting different policies for schools, making sure none of the schools are in trouble, making sure they know about uh, what they can do in, legally in their state and not. So we've always had a team of people, but we also made sure that these other schools was always protected. And because of that, they grew. Yeah. All of a sudden, I looked around, we was the second largest um, chain of martial arts school in the United States. Wow. But it was all fun. It was all you know? fun. Now, that I can second it that. All, it was all fun. It was a lot of fun, and it brought so many people together. So let me ask you this. Partnership, since you're talking about, you know, Grandmaster Reyes, how important is it to understand your partner because i think that the the mistake a lot of people make is they go in with partners that are just like them so if you happen to be a knucklehead you have two knuckleheads running the business or right. you have somebody that's very conservative you have two conservative people running the business for someone that's starting a business how do they find a partner that can uh, help them with their business help grow their business what should they be looking for 
look at it this way. We believe in our four principles, honor, loyalty, family, bravery, mm-hmm. all right? That is our foundation. And when I met Ernie, he had all those qualifications. And we're complete opposites. He's a showman. He likes to get out there in front of crowds. I like to work the books and stay in the back. And so we're yin and yang. I mean, you're in martial arts. You know what yin and yang is. Yep. Because of that, over all these years, we just gelled together. I remember talking to him once, and we was just, we're still young. And I told him, I said, listen, Ernie, if you can dream of it, I'll find a way to pay for it. It was Beautiful. simple. And he started drinking. <laughs> Believe me, did he drink? Yeah, he did. You know, we, we did it. Yeah. You know, anywhere we go in the world, the red carpet is there for us. Yep. You know, not because we're big in this, because we both stayed kind of humble mm-hmm. throughout our whole martial arts career. But yeah, you know, it's believing in somebody and really trusting somebody. And that's like we always say, we're like spirit brothers. Yeah. And that was. You know, and we still talk. I talked to him yesterday morning, although I've been retired for six months. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So let me ask you this. If you had the ballpark, how many black belts do you think you or the organization has produced over the years? Oh, oh. Tens of thousands, right? If oh, yeah. More. Yes. Just think about Just think about the student base. Right. If you have an average school of... Uh, say 300 people mm-hmm. and you got 40 schools what does that add up to i don't know i, I don't know math. but but, it, but it's a lot so that means we have like seven or eight thousand students training each month right think about it and because of that as they go up ranks you know we had to find a different way to produce these black belts you know that's when we have like most people, you go in, you do a black belt test, and it lasts for three or four hours. You know what our black belt test is like. It lasts, yeah. two, it lasts two or three days. Yep. Let me ask you this, Quanjanim. A lot of people that watch my channel, they watch it for techniques or inspiration in terms of entrepreneurship, right? So building your own business, living your dream through your, your passion, what have you. Um, what are some of the advice you want to give to young entrepreneurs out there, regardless of age, people that are starting out? Any uh, tidbits? Yeah, make sure you spread your knowledge. Okay, for example, not only did I run West Coast, I was on the board of directors for uh, what's called ESO, Economic Social Opportunities, right? So I wanted to volunteer for a nonprofit, and this nonprofit uh, for the Santa Clara Valley. We help people. We help people that help the elders pay their PG&E, help single moms, help abusive moms, mm. all that stuff. And I'm chairman of the board. I did it for like seven, eight years. But because of that, they sent me to this little school called Harvard, right? So I went down there and learned all the rules of how to run a 501-3C, mm. right? And by me running nonprofits now, my budget was pretty substantial. They gave me $110 million wow. to, run, to run ESO. That gave me $10 million a year for the next 10 years. So that's what I mean by giving back. Yeah. All young entrepreneurs, 
yes, you want to make money and yes, you want to find your passion. But at the same time, you have to make sure you give back to your own community. And that was my way of giving back. And that's what I mean by sharing your knowledge. Whatever knowledge I got, I share it with different people. Like for me running the business, I know how to run it. Mm -hmm. I not oversee a big business at the same time. You know, plus you get all the political connections that West Coast have. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> so do you find a direct correlation in your success with the more you give back, the more your business grew? Definitely. But make sure you take care of your family first. Mm. The only way that you're going to be successful in the United States is number one, own your own business. Okay. Number two, make sure you take care of your family. Then after you take care of your family, you take care of your community. All of it's going to come together at once or it can be spread out. Just remember, if you start a new business or you're an entrepreneur, everything changes every seven years. Your mm. personality will change every seven years. Your business development will change every few years. You know, we used to do these five and 10 and 15 year plans. It's the same thing. Right. All you young entrepreneurs, make sure you write your stuff down so that you can see it black and white, but make sure you take care of those three things. Well, if you don't adapt, you die, basically. Huh? If you don't adapt, you die, basically, as oh, a business. Definitely. definitely. And now so, I'm, I'm adapting to retirement. Okay. <laughs> okay, so that's the entrepreneur side. How about some some life lessons? So let, let's talk about our reality in our environment right now. So going back to you being a young black man in Oakland, angry, putting in, uh, being put in various situations, and coming out the other side. What um, what lessons do you want to extend out to you know communities and the and the youth? of all colors, but even specifically black men. Okay, let me get do some forward thinking here. Okay. I believe in the future, it will not be black, white, Asian, all the other stuff. By the time all the races get together, it's gonna form one color, one type of people, what I'm gonna call the golden people. Cause by mm -hmm. then all the races is mixed together. And everybody's going to appear pretty much look the same except the eyes or whatever. But we're going into that era, maybe 500 years from now, into a golden race. And that's where I think this whole thing is headed. So, yes, we're going through the struggles now. But I think in the end, thousands of years from now, we're going to have that golden race. And once we have that golden race, that's when we'll start expanding the universe. And that's just my thing. No, I, I love it. That's beautiful. I mean, that golden race, then we can focus on being a human race, right? Right. Which, which, is, which is what the universe and God intended, I think, in the first place anyway. Yeah, it, it's coming. You I know, that, that's the way I see it, because I'm always thinking about forward thinking. I mean, you know, like the old stuff you used to see on Star Trek? Sure. It's coming true now. Oh, yeah, it's coming true. And it's coming true faster than we're ready for, honestly. Some of the technology you stuff. You got it. So yeah. I can't even But no, the, mo the best thing I got out of my career is the contact and meeting so many beautiful people. Mm. I've had so many beautiful people work for me 
that I've learned from. You know, <clears throat> I think by me having so many students, it made me become a better dad mm. because I know how to deal with kids, you know? Sure. It's like, that's where we headed and that's what we have to look for. So all you young entrepreneurs, make sure you sit down, write your stuff out, but plan for the future. Absolutely, absolutely. So I remember in your competition days, you were a monster. You were up before sunrise. I saw old millimeter videos of you and the team like sparring each other on the concrete on tennis courts before the sun was up. You know, uh, that's amazing. So your day was full. Nowadays, what does your day look like? Uh, tomorrow I'm going golfing. Next <laughs> Next Tuesday, I'm going fishing. Uh, I'm building myself a garden in my backyard. No, a big garden. Okay. You know, it's got three parts to it. One where there's a uh, maple trees and serenity. One uh -huh. with a circle. And I call that my meditation garden. And then I have another garden in the back that's going to be Japanese rock garden. So, you know me, I'm a flower person. Yeah. You know? So I'm just going to go back there and play with my little petunias and flowers and be the soul man that's inside the dirt and having fun. <laughs> I, get to, I get to turn back into a kid. Every kid loves to play in the dirt. Right? So now I'm an old man. I get to play in the dirt. I'm good. Come on. You know me. I used to have 100 rose bushes. <laughs> and that so much time. But <clears throat> when I get up and I smell them, that's what nature is all about. Hey, I'm not going to lie. I miss, I miss your cooking, too. I miss some of that gumbo <laughs> during football season. Oh, yes. I know. You know, Peter Malik, Rory, all of them called me. When we, when we making gumbo? But, hey, but I brought Rory over in my kitchen, and we made gumbo together. So if anybody needs a gumbo recipe, all right. ask, ask I will, Rory. Yeah. I will hit her up. I will hit her up. <laughs> okay. So let, let me let me uh, let me take a little bit of time here, and uh, if you can humor me really quick, because I think time goes by, the sun rises and sets, and a lot of times we don't get a chance to express our gratitude. So let me one-on-one uh, um, -on -one let you know, sir, that you have directly impacted my life more than you know. And I came to you when I was, I think, seventeen. I had already trained, and without going to the background of why I left the school. You welcomed me with uh, open arms, and I built a family around your organization. You definitely are a father figure. And to this day, everything that I have done, achieve, or will achieve, my base is rooted in martial arts and is rooted in your teaching. So I just want to say thank you for that. Personally. Hey, I appreciate it. I think I'm the one that benefited, though. Everybody brings a little bit of love to this heart. So I'm good. So let's, let's do this, parting words, parting ways. One or two life lessons that, that is the most important in your list, what would it be? Because I think the audience could benefit from that. Honesty and kindness, simple. See, sometimes we make things too complicated. Right. Go back to the basics, it's just like, you admire your foundation you got from our institute, you know. Uh, but at the same time, you got to make sure, it's like I said, you got to take those three things and one of them is family. I'm going to tell you something else I'm doing and I, I need all your followers. See, I bought this little piece of property out in Gilroy, mm -hmm. but I set it up so that once it's paid for, 
it stays in the family for three generations. Just think about that. That means that your family and your grandkids and their grandkids always have some place to land. It's only four acres, but how many houses can I put on four acres? I, my dream is that they turn it into a family compound. That way you always make sure you take care of family. And for three generations, even though I'm dead and gone, they can go back there. You see this shack over here? My grandpappy built this shack. I love it. <laughs> I know, love you, it. You gotta make things easy and simple. I love it. I love it. Well, I won't keep you, uh, Quan Jim. I will make sure, I'm gonna make time to head out there. Uh, I'll rally the troops and we'll go grab some lunch and uh, reminisce and catch up. Um, and one of the things, life lesson that I'll share with the group that you've always told me, and it used to bother me when I was growing up, but now I get it and it's helped me quite a bit. I used to come to you and where there's a challenge and I felt like I couldn't do anything and it bugged me because your reply would always be, I understand, but if you could do it, how would you do it? So right. if I were to come to you say, Quantum, I can't do this, I can't do that. You say, I understand son, but if you could do it, how would you do it? It's just that simple mind shift has helped me through my life, sir. So there you go, I'm sharing some knowledge with you. All right, thank you very much. You have a good one. And yes, you do owe me lunch. Yes, sir. I love you. I'll talk to you soon, Kajanem.